Hi there, and welcome to Even If, a weekly podcast about standing firm when life is shaking. I'm your host, Kelly Strife. Strife rhymes with wife. And together, we're finding the courage to approach uncertain and unwanted seasons of life through a posture of faith that stands firm and declares, even if he doesn't, he is still good. Okay, before we get started this week, I just want to give a huge thank you to you guys for listening. I am blown away by how many of you tune in each week. And I'm so thankful for the ways God continues to use Imogen's life. And one of my very favorite things right now is reading the reviews that you leave. The only problem is that there isn't a way for me to respond to them personally. So if you have left a review, know that I have read it, I've probably cried over it, and I've thanked God that this podcast might bring some small measure of hope to people who are hurting and healing. And if you haven't left a rating and review, they really are important in the podcast world, but they're especially important to me because I'm used to speaking to an audience that I can see and hear. And so the reviews remind me that my words aren't just echoing around in my closet where I'm recording them each week. Apple Podcasts is the best place to leave a review, a few of you have asked. So even if you listen somewhere else, you can pop on over to iTunes and leave one there. I don't know about you, but I hit a quarantine wall a couple of weeks ago. We have three people living in our house, and I know that many of you have way more than that, but I think the hardest part is that when you're all locked at home, you have to be everything that each other person needs. We're used to having different needs met by different people, but since we're the only people we're around, we're trying to meet every need for each other, and that gets hard. And at some point a couple weeks ago, the reality set in that While some things are starting to reopen, I live in Georgia and things are opening up here. Some things are starting to reopen and get back to normal, but there are so many aspects of life that aren't going to bounce back anytime soon. And hearing about plans for schools and the way they're going to open next year, and I know those of you with school-age kids feel that even more than I do, and hearing about events that are still being called off for the fall just reminds me that there isn't necessarily going to be a moment when this is all over. There's not going to be a clear end or a firm deadline or date on the calendar that we can count down to. There's no guarantee of when or how this will end. And if you're like me, that's when I start to get a little bit panicky. When I start to feel really out of control, when I realize there aren't guarantees about when or how the circumstance will change. Yes, it will. This particular circumstance will someday eventually most likely end, but I'm talking about more than just social distancing or COVID-19 at this point. I'm talking about our lives in general. How do we find hope when our circumstance is final? How do we find hope when there are no guarantees that it won't be? How do we find hope when we know it will probably change, but we don't know when or how long it'll take? When our daughter Imogen died, we were really quickly and suddenly launched into the practicalities of death. And unless you're a pastor, which fortunately both of our parents are, or unless you're a doctor or a counselor or someone who works specifically in this field, you don't know how to navigate the practicalities of death until you've experienced it. It's not the kind of thing you plan ahead for. Nobody has a Pinterest board for how they're going to bury their child. So once we'd made some of the big decisions, we started planning a celebration of life service for Imogen. 
And guys, death is death and loss is loss. And there's no good in comparing the gravity of our loss, but there are some things that are really uniquely hard about different types of loss. And with stillbirth, the hard thing is that at the time Imogen died, she would have been fully capable of living outside of my body. She was full term. A week past her due date, there wouldn't have been any concerns about her development at that point, but she didn't. She didn't have a moment of life on her own. She didn't experience a moment of life apart from me. We didn't get to see her facial expressions or learn the meaning of her cries. And so when you're planning a memorial service for her, it's hard to know what to say. Usually people talk about the life someone lived. They tell stories about the meaningful moments or they talk about how their lives were changed because of encounters they had. They reflect on memories of a life well-lived, however short or long it lasted. But we didn't have those stories. We didn't have those memories. Imogen's life never existed apart from our own, and so it took us a while to plan our service and know what we wanted to say and remember. And the result was we shared about the places she visited with us and the life she lived with us before she was born. She traveled to 13 different states. She was with me while I read Psalm 139, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made over high school students in Texas. She went with us to Disney World and rode all of the tame rides. She heard me share about God's comfort in our grief to a group of women in North Carolina. She saw the ocean and she helped me give the commencement address to the 2019 college graduates. And we shared about how we'd prayed and planned and prepared for her along the way. We shared about all of those things, but because her life here on earth was so short, we actually shared about God far more. And we shared about the hope that we had right then on the day that we were celebrating her life, the hope we have right now as we continue to grieve her loss and the hope that we have, even though those details of our circumstance will never change and we'll be living with grief for the rest of our life here on earth. And so some of the words that we shared in her service are found in the book of Lamentations. I don't know about you, but I don't often turn to the book of Lamentations when I sit down to have my quiet time, to study my Bible. It isn't high on my list of places to start when I sit down to read God's word. If you've read through the whole book, you'll find far more real estate given to Jeremiah's grief over the circumstances God's people are in than anything else. It's quite literally a book of lament, a book of grief, a book of pain and pleading and loss. The city of Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians. God had allowed them to demolish the city that was the very center of worship for his people. And it was unfathomable that this had happened. And Jeremiah was in anguish over the state of his circumstance and situation, over the condition of the people's hearts. And so he writes this book. It's five chapters long. That's it. But verse after verse, he's describing the hopelessness of their situation the depth of their devastation. He goes on for pages explaining the reality they're facing and crying out to God to remember his people and to turn back to them in love. 
and tucked right in the very center of the book are these verses. They're familiar. You've probably heard them before. Maybe like me, you sang them in hymns growing up without ever knowing where they came from. And these are the words that we read at Imogen's service. In the middle of chapter three, Jeremiah declares, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. And these words are beautiful on their own. But when we put them in context of the whole book, they take on a whole new beauty to me. Because Jeremiah has spent two and a half chapters describing his grief, which is a beautiful example for us too, that hope doesn't erase our pain. It just gives us a foundation on which we can make it through it. But he's describing his grief and he doesn't hold anything back. He's using phrases like, he has broken my teeth with gravel. He's trampled me in the dust. These aren't nice Sunday school kinds of prayers. They're real and raw and vulnerable. He says, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. My splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. He has to fight for his hope. These verses we sing and post all over Instagram, they aren't flippant Pollyanna words of hope. They're gritty, battle-worn, bruised words that Jeremiah reaches into the very depths of his soul to pull to the surface and declare. And here's how I know that's what he does, because in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21, the verse right before those familiar words, Jeremiah says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. He's just said, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord, the things I valued, the life I imagined, the future I thought would play out, the way I believed God would fulfill his promise in my life, the gift that I thought I'd get to keep here on earth. My circumstance falls far short of all that I had hoped from the Lord. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. In the darkest moments of his life, Jeremiah remembered who God was. He looked to the past and saw God's faithfulness. And his words remind us of how God provided manna for his people every single day when they were in the wilderness. Every morning, he provided what they needed. And just like he provided fresh food, fresh nourishment, fresh provision every day then, his compassions, his mercies are new for us every single day too. Jeremiah trusted that God, who had always been faithful, would continue to be faithful now. And that belief is what filled him with hope. That even though his circumstances right at that moment were tragic, even though all he could see right now was devastation and despair, that God wouldn't stop being God in those moments. God would not abandon him. God would not allow him to be consumed by the situation he faced. And that remembrance overflowed out of him in worship. 
It was this natural transition he makes in the middle of a paragraph, in the middle of a sentence, actually. He shifts his focus and starts talking to God directly. He'd been talking about God. But there's this one line in the middle, great is your faithfulness, where he is talking directly to God. Because remembering who God is and what he's done often leads to an overflow of worship and praise on our lips. If you're having a hard time worshiping God right now, maybe jot down a few lines about who God is and what he's done for you and throughout the course of history. And that will lead to an overflow of worship in your mouth and in your heart and on your lips. And then he ends this verse by declaring who God is to him. He says, the Lord is my portion. And he resolves what he's going to do. Therefore, I will wait for him. If hope seems elusive to you right now, first of all, you are not alone. I can tell you, though, that declaring these words as we acknowledged Imogen's life and death and then eternal life in heaven was not an easy task. We declared these words with tears running down our faces and a catch in our voice as we tried to get them out, but that's what makes them all the more powerful. That's what gave them power when Jeremiah declared them years and years and years ago, and that's what makes them powerful when you and I declare them right now, because nothing about our circumstance has to change for us to find hope. It's not found when this waiting season ends or when our prayers are answered, yes. It's not tied to fairy tale happy endings, a winning season, or victories in battle. It's not only available to people whose Instagram account looks perfect or who seem to get all the breaks in life. Jeremiah found it in the ruins of a city, in the ashes of defeat, with smoke still swirling around his head. I found it in a hospital room in Atlanta when our daughter's heart never started beating again. And you can find it in crowded houses, quarantined at home. You can find it while you're longing for a husband in ways you can't even put into words. When you're crying out to God to heal the child you've loved every day of their lives. When the pain is so great that you think you'll surely be consumed. When life isn't terribly hard, but it isn't terribly good either. And you're wondering if it will always be this way. Like Jeremiah, you can acknowledge the gravity of your grief. And you can access supernatural hope. And we do that by calling to mind God's faithfulness throughout generations before us and in our lives up until now. And then we let that remembrance pour out of us in worship to God for who he is and what he has done. And then resolve in our hearts who God is to us and what we will do with this unexpected, unwanted season. So I would actually write this out this week. I would write out my lament my grief, my pain, the gravity of what's been lost, and then write the sentence, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, and use Jeremiah's declaration as a template to say, because of dot, 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 we are dot, 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 for dot, 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 they are dot, dot, dot. I say to myself, the Lord dot, 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 therefore I will dot, dot, dot. 
Fill those dot, dot, dots, those blanks in with your own words and write those out to God. And I'll actually put a template for that on my Instagram, on my stories, if you want to grab that and fill it in so that we can experience and access the hope that Jeremiah found in this season. And guys, don't turn this off quite yet because if you're listening to this in May or June of 2020, I have a big ask. Imogen's first birthday is coming up in just a couple of weeks and we're looking for ways to celebrate her life. We don't get to have a smash cake or open presents with her and so I have some really fun gifts to give you guys in the next couple of weeks, but I'm also asking for a big gift from you. What we want most in the world is to know that Imogen's life mattered that it's making a difference and that it's living on even now. So if you've been impacted by her life and her story, would you send me a message letting me know how? You can send an email to happybirthdayimogen at gmail.com. Imogen is I-M-O-G-E-N. Happybirthdayimogen, I-M-O-G-E-N at gmail.com, put happy birthday in the subject line, and I'll collect all of these to read together on her birthday on June 14th. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of Even If. My prayer is that even if your knees are weak, today's episode offers you enough strength to keep standing firm. See you back here next week for the next episode of Even If.